For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. There has always been a stereotype that black people don't swim. But we are here to tell you that we do and we are good at it. I am Coach Adrian. I'm Dr. Shira. We are the host of the Swim Culture Podcast. We want everyone to know that aquatics has always been a part of the Black culture and experience since the beginning of time. From scuba diving to fishing to the Olympics and surfing, we have done it all and are still doing it. Make sure you tune in and dive into the culture. The Swim Culture. Oh, you like? Girl, I ate some popcorn. It was like, anyway. How you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got my popcorn over here, too. Girl, I, I'm like addicted. I need to, um, I need to stop. Like that white cheddar popcorn. It's the best. So. So, you know, you know I'm doing my detox. And yes. I'm not supposed to have We'll have like this no list and this um do list, right? Uh huh. They said if it's not on the list, it's neutral. I didn't see popcorn. There you go, then. <laughs> you know, like popcorn. You know, it's like a low calorie thing, right? And not you know, but then not if like you're getting that. like that sugary Chicago popcorn. You know, but, you but know, if you can I like get that. all the flavors. But I like that white cheddar cheese one, right? And they said we can't have that because I can't have the cheese. So I don't understand. The, I don't know how to compromise. Well, are you just going to have to get regular popcorn? Just no butter. You can't have no dairy? No dairy. No dairy. So then you were just it's just regular white. What about um, <laughs> kettle corn? You like kettle corn? Love. There you go then. Oh, so I can. No dairy. No dairy. Okay. But it's not as easy to find. The sweetness to it, saucy, savory. Huh? Speaking of that, real story. So last night I went to go get King something to eat. And so I was like, he's like, I'll make some popcorn. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking because I always keep popcorn in the house. I'm like, it has to be bad with popcorn. But I also have these like um, kernels that I go get from when I go to the farmer's market. Girl, I walk in the house. He done poured. He done tried to cook the kernels on the stove. My house still smell like burnt popcorn. 
he had the right idea of bad execution. Oh, so yeah. See, I'm <laughs> okay. I'm yeah, I don't. Like, I don't know nothing about that. I would probably have run it too. I was like, don't ever try that. Like, ask me first. That was the scariest thing because he put grease in the pot like how you supposed to, mm -hmm. but he poured the whole thing of kernels in there, so it's popping. But the bottom is burnt. Gotcha. Well, you know, he's young. You experiment. That's when you trial and error, yeah, you know, hopefully not burning down the house boys. in the in the process. My mom used to say boys would burn the house down if you leave them at well, home. Well, Aiden ain't burning. Listen, hopefully. But he be on there flipping quesadillas and stuff. We ain't playing. Okay? <laughs> Get over here. Get over here. Stand That's on right. this little step stool. I forgot. Get a spatula. Forgot, let's, let's go. He has this what? really intensive trainings for two. Attractive. But he wants to help. <laughs> what do you do when he wants to help? So, you know, he helps make his pizza. He helps stir stuff in the pot. He knows. Yeah. So you think like he'll try to pop, put on the oven or something. <laughs> you said what now? You feel like he's going to try to cut the oven on or something try himself he might he might try but yeah no, but he gets up there with me i i know but he's up there with me and he is he helps me juice oh like he puts the the vegetables in the juicer like he's helping when he helps and i just you know facilitate that learning you know early <laughs> as early as possible so yeah so i guess i got yeah. some more kernels and teach anyway to do it yeah cool. so, was so i mean you know you're not gonna like <coughs> it was good but what i was about to say last thing learning like that that's the whole process of learning like you go you're gonna have some failures and you have to be like i think that's one of the problems with society now like we are afraid to fail and that's a part of the whole learning process that ain't gonna just come to us you know like like perfect the first time you know or the second the third well, so. it, it prompted me to, to teach him how to actually do it. But thank God, I just happened to walk in before my house was burned down. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. You yeah, know. There you go. But God, okay? Thank you. He has something else in store. Because that was going to be bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but my week was good. Um yeah, so I've been really, like, with all the stuff that's going on in the world and in politics and in society, the protests and stuff that's happening that are still happening Brianna, from Breonna Taylor's, you know, the verdict that happened with that and um, the new Supreme Court justice that's been, you know, they, they're starting that process. And so I'm just trying to assess everything, take everything in and stay knowledgeable. I took that COVID test on Wednesday. You know, I said I would never take it, but I took it, did the rapid test because I had symptoms and I wanted to make sure because I do work around people. So that was negative. I guess I just had my usual little yeah. bump that happens at this time of year for me, knock it out and I'm good to go. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to be very candid right now. So we are... I'm here at um, Lake Altoona in Georgia, mm -hmm. and you know we usually do it these our, our shows from home, but we're not. So 
the people can kind of hear what we're saying. And it's been like a group of, you know, others around here this whole time that you were talking about. <laughs> All I can hear. <laughs> I don't care. I know. <laughs> I don't think I have ever felt. Hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> Lord. Oh, anyway, they left. <laughs> okay. If they come back, hello. <laughs> Listen, I'm tired. We need to be able to address issues that are <laughs> pertaining specifically to us in whatever environment and not be scared to talk about it. Like that has been and, and I know understand some things we need to keep in house within us, within our circles and move strategically, but other things. Yeah, you need to know it's a problem. You need to know that this is happening. You need to know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wow, you over there and we over here. <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> but see, you know me, Adrian. You know if I was there, that it wouldn't be no different. <laughs> Do Would it be any different if I was there? No, it wouldn't. But at least, you know. Exactly, it would not. A little backup over here. Well, listen, you, okay, my bad. I'm going to be quiet. Yeah. You ain't got to be quiet. I just thought, it, I, I, you thought gotta, it, I thought it was hilarious that, you know, this just happened. I was sitting here and I still went through this. And I just thought, huh, never had this audience before. You know, we talked about But you know audience. what? Never thought I would have that audience. That would be my first audience. <laughs> but you know what? So, like, listen. So, all the conversation we've been having over... You know, the, things really started sparking back up again with George Floyd being assassinated, you know, and in the street. And so then we've been having these conversations on diversity and on on black issues and specifically in, in the disparities and economics and all of that. And so then and we have pe people, white people in the conversation and you know, it's it kind of shocking, like, oh my gosh, like, y'all have a problem with this or y'all have a problem with that? Like, for real, we thought everything was, no, everything is not fine. Everything is, I don't let the PhD fool you. You know, sometimes I be looking like at this check, like, listen, when is the 30th coming? Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, and so don't, I'm just saying, but. I think that it needs they need to know like it's already misconceptions and and fault and and untruth being being told and being taught about history and stuff and like about about us being employees and our answers to being employees not slave like we need to know what's really going on and everybody <laughs> needs to know so sorry but I'm not sorry I agree. Anyway, I, agree. I just thought that was funny that that was my audience, and I just wanted to inform you what was going on on this well, side. You couldn't see. Thank you. I appreciate it. Tell me, tell them I say hello when they come by, if they be looking at you crazy. I think they, you know, conversation might have got hot. They left. But see, that's that's not a hot conversation. Anyway, we moving. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It's not a conversation, in my opinion. It's just it's what it is. It is what it is. It's what's currently going on in society now. So, so anyway. Like I just said, I'm out here at Lake Altoona trying out some open water. I've been, you know, I picked that up during COVID. Mm -hmm. 
and uh-huh. uh, in the process um, was introduced to a wonderful lady, Coach Bev. Yes. And let's introduce her. Let's bring her on the show since we're out here and she's enduring you and me in this conversation <laughs> in this environment. <laughs> well, I and and she has some amazing things going on, you know, yeah. since we've been introduced to her and you before me, but I've been reading up on you know, her website and things that she has been doing, which has been amazing stuff. So let's bring her in and start the conversation and see what she has going on. Hey. Hello, Swim Divas. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to be here at Lake Alatoona. The weather is perfect. I'm in my element because I'm near water. Awesome. Good. And while you're giving me kudos, actually, you two ladies should really pat yourself on the back because the mere name, the swim culture, as soon as I saw it, I said to myself, hey, they got the memo before I did. Okay. They were on it. <laughs> so really, really congrats on all the great work you're doing. It's so needed in our community. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Well, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us some background as to you know who you are and what you're doing. Because um, you're doing some great things in the triathlon world and in swimming as well so who am i who am i um by nature i'm an advocate so i'm a lawyer by training um and i wish i could say that i grew up in the swim culture i did not uh the highest body of water that i was exposed to as a child was bat was in a bathtub um and i went through life not knowing how to swim um but i knew enough to make sure that my children learn how to swim. So I'd take them to swim lessons. And I realized one day, if they got into trouble in the water, I really couldn't do anything. And I had had an embarrassing moment, Mm -hmm. probably mm, a decade prior, uh, while living in West Africa. There was a a program, somebody was filming for a program and and my husband and I were sitting near, near a pool at a hotel. And so they said, oh, we'd like to interview you for this program. And since you're here at the pool, you know, you can swim. So why don't you just jump in? Well, clearly, if I had jumped in, it would not have been a very good outcome because I did not know how to swim. So beyond that, I knew enough to make sure the kids knew how to swim. So they would not be in the same predicament as I was. But when I got to age 42, I made a decision. Okay, you know, you got to get past this. You got to take lessons. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. It was very difficult um, for me to learn, but I did learn. And once I did, since I am an advocate by nature, I wanted to share this skill with others. That is how I eventually um, grew into the um, the instruction um, community, you know, as a teacher trying to make sure that people who look like us have this skill. Um, as I spent more time around the, um, uh, the learning environment, teaching people how to swim, I realized that it's not just the skill that we need. We actually need swim to be part of the culture as it was you know, centuries ago. And so how do you now take this, this skill and translate it into 
a culture for a group of people. Uh, and that was the makings of what became um, Swim, Bike and Run, which is a training program I started later to take on an initiative called the Matula Project. And the Matula Project, uh, its intention is to introduce the swim, bike and run activity to the African-American community. However, the real intention behind Matula for me is to make sure that we get people to learn how to swim. I named it Matola because there is a, a woman, a Mozambican woman, she was a runner, a short distance runner. Uh, she competed in six Olympic games. Now, you may not have heard of her. In fact, most people in this part of the world have not heard of her. But think about it, how many people competed not attended, but competed in six Olympic games. So I named the project after her to honor her, uh, the excellence that she demonstrated. And hopefully as a way to inspire us to strive for excellence in our swim, but most important that we reclaim it as a part of our culture. That is wow, awesome. That's yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, I'm going to tell you, um, I'm going to give you kudos because I actually, there were older women. I all of a sudden had this surplus of older ladies coming to me and said, oh, I want to learn how to swim because I want to join this older ladies triathlon group. These ladies, I'm like, what are you, okay. And these ladies were over the age of 50. And I'm like, okay, so I did not know what they were talking about. They told me, oh, we, we meet these places, you know, here in Atlanta. Either way, end up going to Washington Park and ran into the group of ladies. And you have um, some dynamic ladies in that group. And, like, your mission to get them to swim. And, I mean, I cracked up with a share the other day and I was talking about being married after 40. Like I want life on the other side and seeing how good that is. Like they are definitely showing me how they're living their best life on the other side. Like they are truly like way more healthier than me. Could swim, out swim me, out bike me, out run me and literally just started in their fifties. And that's amazing. So in, in that town hall series that we've had coming up, <laughs> Um, one of the people that she's a presenter, she's a physician um, by profession, Deborah Carlton. Um, she's been a triathlete. And she, I remember when Deborah could, she was what we call a wall hanger. You know what a wall hanger is, right? And, you know, from in that season of training, that woman went from hanging on the wall to swimming those laps. Deborah has now done at least mm, five or six Olympic distance races. And Deborah is a couple of years older than me. So Deborah's like 67, 68. Okay. Yes. I mean, and, and so, and you oh, have, wow. I have, right now I'm training. That's a goal. I believe it. They're yeah, like 75. Fact, remember that lady who we met at when we did um, swim 1922 and she came to join me for swimming. Mm-hmm. That's how I met Coach Beth. Oh, okay, got Remember, it. was telling that she was nice. just learning how to swim. She was just joining this group. This is her coach. And I think that's important to emphasize, you know, um, I teach a class called Physical Activity for the Aging, um, one of my lecture courses. And um, we talk about the statistics and how that's one of the, lar- like, the largest growing 
demographics in the United States. People are living longer, right? People are realizing like 60 is like not, in my opinion, 60 is not old. Like, I'm just saying, like at all. And so, um, but that older adult population is like 65 and older. And so just to getting my students to understand one, that this is a growing demographic and that more programming, more activities, more things should be geared towards that older adult population and that not look, because I get get like a an idea of where their mind frame is and how they perceive older adults. And a lot of them are like 19, 20. And they're just like, oh, when I get that age, I'm going to be doing this. When I get that age, I'm going to be doing this. And none of it is like, you know, doing triathlons or anything like that. And so by the end of the class, each semester has been like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, I give examples of, and I'll probably use you for my class, Coach Ben. Um, but, you know, that these things are still possible well into your, you know, your 70s, 80s. You know, if you are maintaining your physical fitness and your wellness and your health, you know, that you can, you can do these things. And, and aquatics in particular is a low-impact sport or low impact activity. And so like the, the, the stress on your joints, the stress on your, you know, certain areas of your body isn't felt as much when you're engaged in water activity. So, yeah. Uh, There's a misconception um, about those who are above a certain age. Um, But if you go to uh, St. Pete, Florida, during the time when they have the St. Anthony's um, triathlon. If you go to the finish line for the sprint and Olympic distances, if you stand there, you will see about 40% of those athletes coming in who are over the age of 65. And you know their age because yeah. in those days, we'd have to put right our um, age on the back of our leg. And so most people still do. So you know their ages. And you see these 80 and 85-year-olds coming in off that Olympic. I've got, I have a picture. My, me, um, my law school buddy and I took a picture with a woman about six years ago. She's, she was 91 at the time. And she had done an Olympic race the prior year. She was there to see her daughter do her Olympic and her granddaughter do her Olympic. Okay. So, yeah. It's, it's, and and so, so somebody said to me, well, why are you surprised that folks in Florida are able to do this? Think about it. What are they doing besides training? Oh, yeah, I got, you know, I said at the time, you know, I still had a full time practice going on. And so if you really think about it, if all you're doing every day is training your body, is conditioning your body, why wouldn't you be able to do it? I have friends that are still doing Ironman and they're in their 70s. So it's not that it's impossible. It is, you know, I'm saying and and I think on the website, I, I probably had this. My motto is your body will do what you train it to do. And it is true. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there can be some medical conditions that can happen and may set you back. But if you've got your health, if you train and condition your body, you can engage in these endurance sports. Absolutely. I agree with that. Me too. I do. So, I think you. I think your body puts out what you get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And... And like, you know, that detox you want, Adrian, um, you know, there's gallons of water, you know, I'm drinking and having to, you know, 
deal with, you know, I'm trying, everybody, I think we're on this journey constantly of trying to get better and do better. And um, yeah, and I was telling my husband the other day, because running has never been a thing that I have enjoyed doing, period. Like I, I, I can't breathe, I'm suffocating, I don't know. But I, when it comes to the water, I would much rather swim like three miles than run one. Like I, and so one of the things that I've been wanting to do now is learn how to run efficiently where I can do a mile or, or two miles and not stop. And so that's one of the things that I'm like learning or wanting to get into. And so this whole triathlon space is interesting to me. And I got a bike in the garage. It's just sitting up there. I need to, I need to put it down. I need to take all this. To, yeah. I just bought a bike this summer and um, I hadn't ridden it yet, but that's that's my next goal is to learn how to cycle. This is the official invitation, ladies. Come on and try it. <laughs> okay, I'm challenging you. I'm putting the challenge down right here, right yeah. now. Come on and try with us, okay? And I'll okay. say to you, you know, there are people that that trade that um com- that race with us, and they've had knee surgery and all that. And so what they do is instead of running that portion of of the race, they actually walk it. You know, and I've seen oh, okay. you know, I'm on the course and I see more than a few people who are walking because they may have something going on with the knees or hip, you know, so that's fine. Well, I, I'm going to take you up on it because I need something else to do. We learned we, we got introduced to hiking what last year and that's yeah. been that kind of got me through um, COVID time. And just was another exercise for me outside of the water. So now if I get that bike going. Mm hmm. I got this. Okay. Well, tell us some more. Like, you seem just so interesting. Like, um, give us what was happening in Africa. Like, what what made you go there? And just. So, um, I knew I was going to go to the continent. I mean, I I just knew I was going to do it. I I was probably in the fifth grade. I had an assignment. It was an essay about Tanguyika. Tanguyika was formerly, Tanzania was. Um, the outcome of what of this area that used to be called Tanyuika. I did the essay on it, and it was the first time that I saw pictures of the continent that were counter to the pictures I'd seen in other history books. So I knew there was something going on with the message that I'd been receiving in traditional in traditional um, publications. Uh, so that piqued my interest. And from the time I went to college, I knew that I wanted to go to the continent. So as a college student, you know, I, I didn't I didn't have the funds to go then. When I got to law school, I was like, ah, you know, how can this happen? And it it was it just it was fortuitous. Um, I ended up um, there was a I had a an accident that resulted in a settlement, and that was the money that I used to go to Africa. And I always say, you know, if you believe, if you truly believe in something, if you accept and embrace something as your truth, um, then you will attract. The universe just kind of reorder stuff so that you can live out whatever your dream is. And that's what happened for me. So I go to the continent um, and while I'm there, I'm meeting people in the legal profession and and, and other industries. And I end up talking to a company and they said, you know, we're looking to expand, you know, in, in our marketing reach and we'd like you to consider coming back to work for us. So in my last year of law school, they had me come back to interview with some of their board members. And when I was on my way back to the U.S., I met the man that I would marry. So I then said, OK, well, I guess I am. I'm, I'm gone. You know, so when I graduated from law school, <laughs> I moved to West Africa and lived there 12 years. 
Uh, and as I said, in those 12 years, I wasn't swimming, but maybe in the back of my mind, something said, you know, this is something you have to address. Uh, and those years in the continent, I can say that there were moments where I saw things and I appreciate the vision now because again, it made me think about some of the, um, the um, narrative that Professor Kevin Dawson shares in Undercurrents of Power, the publication, which is mm. uh, sort of a, an epic book uh, that gives you the history of, um, of swimmers in the, in the African diaspora. Uh, because I can remember sitting on the shores, like on mm -hmm. um, the Atlantic Ocean off Lagos, the Lagos Beach, and I'd see these kids, you know, in their canoes going out to the ships. And they'd be going out to get, um, like, wares that they could hawk in the streets during the next day. But those boys could swim. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and quite often those boys would come from some of the riverine areas. So if you live, if you're coming from, coming from a fishing village, you are going to learn how to swim. So it's not, so again, it goes back to that same thing. It's not that we, we don't have it or haven't had it as part of our culture. Culture, part of it is geography. Do you live in an area where there is, you know, areas of water where you would be motivated to learn how to swim? Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad that um, I've kind of connected those pieces because as I read through Kevin Dawson's book, I can see where, you know, this is definitely a culture that is an intrinsic part of who we are. As African-Americans and other folk in the diaspora, it's a matter of us reclaiming it. And so I say all of that to say that that kind of led me to the place where my next book is actually um, delving into the swim culture as it is today. So just as I'm sitting here with you as, as sort of pioneers in this space where you're you're drawing people back into the culture. There are a few other people around the country and, and I think they have the same intent. They're not as far along as you are, but they have an intent to try to grow this community of swimmers, which is, I think, you know, what we really need to do. So, you know, that's my story. So um, with dealing with older adults, um, are you finding, what are you finding like on a mental health level? I know that's something that we miss a lot in the black community. And I know um, a lot of people at that age they're dealing with uh, when they start saying, okay, I wanna take care of my body is usually after something. Um, so they're dealing with, you know, their health and their mental health, a lot of work hours and all that. So then you also get into maybe the retired group that's decompressing from the work world. Like how is that? How have you seen people's mental health change since the, like joining your group or having access um, in the in that age group? So if you surveyed the people that train with us, what you'll find after a period of about five or six months is that they will say, oh, I'm so glad that I, I became part of this community. What they see is the community piece more so than anything else. Yeah, they're glad that they learned how to swim. But what happens is they connect with people that have this appreciation for improving the quality of their life. And so they begin to do things together. Not only do they swim together, they will walk together, they will run together. We go to um, artistic events together. Now that we are in election season, every day, um, they're blowing up our, our text messages, our group messages on what's happening on that front. Okay, here's information about this candidate. There is a kinship that develops and that kinship bodes well for the mental health of the folk that 
are part of this tribe, this swim tribe. So with all of the things that um, you mentioned and like you mentioned that connection and, and people read like just coming back to, you know, that I think it's like an innate thing that we have too. like we we can feel the things that like personally, I feel like from ancestors and stuff and we can we can we have we know that we have ties to great things and to to things that may connect us back to like our, our lineage and our ancestry. And so when you mentioned that, I just mentioned you, I, I thought about the word connection, how. Hello. Okay. Okay. So, um, and I was thinking about the connection that we all have from diversity and aquatics. And so I was going to say, how did you get connected with diversity and aquatics? How did you get, you know, um, brought into this family? You know, we've been a part of it for about maybe three, me, three years, Adrian, about a year or so. So what's your relationship with that? And how are you involved in DIA? I learned, I learned about diversity and aquatics through researching the topic of swim and black people. Um, knowing that the book is going to look at our experiences as non-swimmers living around black swimmers and as black swimmers, I was trying to find any and all connections to the sport. And one of the first organizations I learned about was diversity and aquatics because your presence is there. It's there on the web. Um, you know, it's there in conversation when I was, I think maybe when I was interviewing Kevin Dawson, maybe he even mentioned it, you know, so you definitely mm -hmm. have established a reach. Um, but once I discovered, I read the mission and I was just really blown away because it was, it was everything that I'd been thinking, you know, why can't we recapture this swim culture. And I mean, that's what DIA represents to me. So it was a natural, for me, a natural connection. Gotcha. We love DIA. We talk about it every time we have a show. Mm -hmm. When I came to DIA, it was kind of <laughs> like when you say, um, when you work towards something, the universe puts you there. And that was my first Ashir invited me out, but it was my first like time going to a conference or anything like that. And I was blown away and I just felt like I was at home. Mm -hmm. And this is these are the people that if I'm going to put some time and effort into, you know, this is the group of people that I want to be around. So kind of like what you're saying, that kinship, you know, um, I know that I have access, you know, not only to Ashira, but I don't have access to people in DIA who, you know, we probably only know each other through email, but we know each other. And so it gives you um, a sense of, you know, I get what you're saying. It got to give you a sense of like, okay, I got my people over here, you know, but I love DIA. And so I didn't realize that you were part of DIA either. Well, I, I will say that we're kind of growing to, at this point, we're still growing together and, and forming, you know, a connection through our mutual interest. Um, and over time, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. I would love to see um, a, a more formal partnership. But one thing I know for certain, there is a, a shared uh, commitment 
to introduce this sport to members of our community who aren't quite there and who may still see it as purely recreational, something for folk who just have the time to do it. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I start with when I'm teaching swim lessons is, you know, this is a life essential skill. And when you look at members of our community, the average black person, they don't understand that. They really do believe this is recreation. Uh, and so, you know, I think part of our responsibility as advocates for the sport is to, is to um, dispel that misconception that this is purely recreational. You know, um, it certainly would uh, go a long way, I believe, in addressing this need to reduce the number of black children who die every year because those stats have remained the same forever. It's just, uh, you know, and that of, of everything that I think drives me, it is that it is knowing that we have these de deaths which are preventable. And I'm saying, you know, this is not, you know, it's not a COVID, it's not, you know, it's not something, it's not a uh, a disease that you're born with is not genetic. This is something that's preventable. All you have to do is learn how to swim. And in most instances, you can find your way out of, you know, a treacherous situation in water. So it's for me, it's, it's more than kind of something that I do at my leisure. I, it really is for me gospel at this point in my life because I, I have the fortune of being able to commit time to it. Um, and I have the skill to be able to use the knowledge and experience I have in terms of building it into a campaign and knowing how to create partnerships to make that campaign translate into what ultimately is what I see as change behavior in the black community where parents will say, okay, Beverly, you're gonna go to swim lessons. And Beverly says, well, I don't feel like going to get today. I don't care, you're going. Uh, you know, and, and this is what needs to happen in order for us to get to where I think we need to go. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think that's all necessary. Yeah. So, um, so where can people reach out to you? Where can they find out more about what you and your organization, what you all are doing? Um, and you have to just reach out to you. Sure. So you start by going to S, which stands for swim, dash B, R, four. So that's bike run. It stands for bike run. So BR4-life. So it's S-BR4-life. Written out, it's swim, bike, run for life. Dot com is the website. So you start by going to the website. When you go to the website, there's actually additional information about the project I mentioned, the Matola project, because it's actually just kicked off. Yesterday, we had our first group go out. We did a walk in Mason Mill Park here in Atlanta, and our new recruits came, uh, participated in the walk to learn about the project. Um, it is intended to help build uh, knowledge about the need for members of our community to become active, to address the fact that we are disproportionately dying from COVID-19, uh, and there's some things we can do uh, in order to try to counter that. And it begins with making sure that we're living healthy and fit lives. And so I'm trying to get people to get active, um, to get fit by swimming, biking, and running. Uh, so go to S-BR4 
www.thrive-life.com to find out more about what we, our training program. And, you know, we welcome you to come and take um, training, um, swim lessons from us and bike with us and run with us. And equally important, learn about the Matola Project. Become a, a messenger in the community and tell other people about the importance of getting active. Tell them that swimming is a life essential skill. Let's change the habits that we've had in our community and grow into a healthy um, and um, active uh, life that hopefully will uh, set a great example for our children. Well, thank you so oh, much awesome. Look at you. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Well, I love it. I think I'm going to have to join the project. It sounds something okay. right up my alley. So, yeah, that's how You can really pledge. So, when you go on the website, there is a form. You make a pledge on that form that you will join. And all I'm asking you to do as an, an ambassador of the Matola Project is to share information. Obviously, you already swim, but the key thing is to share information. Help educate our community. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was amazing meeting you today. I'm glad I finally got to meet you in person. Yeah. Um, uh, you have amazing women who um, are motivate me actually even to, you know, switching my mission a little bit with swimming or not my mission, but focus a little bit. Um, learning adult learn to swim is very, very important. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, being a um, trailblazer here in Atlanta and um, actually all around the country. And we look forward to seeing what more you can do. Got anything else, Doc? No, I just, um, I'm so glad we had you on the show and we're able to have this conversation. And I think, you know, just that education of, oh, excuse me, the education of, you know, our people in particular is, is dire and is so necessary um, because with that education, you know, the sky is, it's, it's no limits, right? And so, um, yeah, and I think that we have a common thing with the podcast, with the organizations that we just want to educate and promote and be ambassadors for, you know, being overall healthier of individuals. And so, but yeah, that's all I have to say. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So Coach Bev is going to give me a quick, crash course and how I should be properly. Yes. I wish I was there. I know. We're going to do it real quick and then <laughs> okay. I got to get out of here for sip and swim. But it was good. Okay. It was real good seeing you, sis. Uh, again, thank you so much, Coach Bev, for joining us on the show. And thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of The Swim Culture. Please follow us on all social media platforms and we will see you soon. All righty. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can get involved by following us at the Swim Culture on Instagram and Facebook. See you all in the water. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. 
Thompson, part... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. In a noisy, stressful world, quiet is the most valuable commodity. And the cabin of every Lincoln vehicle is designed with this principle in mind. Should you desire a little more melody, our available Revel Audio system will not disappoint. The very same engineering that makes for a whisper-quiet interior provides a studio-like setting in which to rock out to your music, finding harmony all around you. That's the power of sanctuary. And that's Lincoln. Revel and the Revel logo are trademarks of Harman International Industries, registered in the United States and other countries.